Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Playopolis podcast. We're here to talk about board games. My name is Rob, I am with... Uh, I'm Daniel and that was a very smooth intro, did a very succulent voice you get going on there. Succulent. <laughs> and I'm also joined by... Uh, Jamie, another succulent voice. <laughs> or a whiny, t- trill voice. <laughs> yeah, well, at least I'm not putting on a fake voice for the podcast. Well, well uh, fake. I, I'm also here. I'm Rebecca. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie did I'm not, not segue it for you there, yeah, did no, I? I'm not going to say I have a succulent voice because I'm no. not sure what that means. You have succulent, succulent, I was going to say you have succulent <laughs> voice. <laughs> it sounded less insulting and more sexy. <laughs> Back to the board game. Yeah. Okay. Um, So we are. Let's explain what we are. How we happened. This is always great because I'm not entirely sure we know what we are. Yeah, I struggle to explain what I do. Step step one. Daniel and Rebecca started a board game cafe in Kent in the UK. That's still a thing. Uh, We have had lots of lots of fun doing the board game cafe, but we're also working now on some more interesting stuff for the internet. Uh, which means we have an office, and in the office we are playing board games. Yes, pretty much playing board games every day. So if you ever <laughs> ask yourself the question, will you hate board games, if you play them too often, I think the answer is probably... Especially no. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a barrel. Yeah. You don't want to hate board games. No, but although I feel like when you're reviewing them, one thing you don't realise, and I suppose it's the same with reviewing anything, you have a... Uh, you, you play something good and you want to continue playing it, and instead you just sort of... Move on. Move on. Yeah. It happens so often. I think I explained the other day that in this job, you kind of one in ten games you stumble across it and you love it, but it just You're passes off to into the distance and yeah. you never get to play it again. Especially because when we review a board game, we get it out reviewed and then it goes to the cafe, and the it's cafe gone. gets all the good games, yeah. and then we just we have an eternal pit of the bad. So game. that was step one. That was step one. Or part one. That was part one. Okay. And so part two is us doing a YouTube channel now. Yes. We, have, we do. We talk on the YouTube. It's very similar to this, but with motion picture. You don't get to see our faces, which is a good thing. Which is much better. (laughs) We're really hoping for success on the podcast. I'm wearing a coat. (laughs) So our our studio, which which you may have seen on the YouTube channel, is actually a a showroom for an old furniture company, um, which is interesting. We have painted it. We have put a board game table on there, which Daniel made. And I think it's very generous to call it a board game table. Yeah, it's generous to call it a table, (laughs) to be fair. But we are now sitting in that room uh, with two benches and with a microphone in the middle on a tripod and we're just sort of facing each other like, as Rebecca described, they, uh, on a bus. It's the board game bus. It's, it's the, the board, board game, game bus. bus. I don't, I'm really enjoying Jamie having to keep his hands warm between his legs. Yes. And... That's so creepy. It's also December. <laughs> it's about two degrees outside. We have big heaters that we can't turn on because the microphone would pick them up. So everyone is sort of clasping their hands. <laughs> Uh, Becky, and Je- Becky and Jamie have uh, their hands in their legs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, setting the scene for you there. Daniel is man spreading out <laughs> across my desk. So if you if you wanted to picture... man splan splan is it called man splan? It's, it's it's man dan splan. No, man splan. No, he's trying to say man splan. That's not what you're doing. Hey, um, hey, Rob, you've been playing any board games? Let's talk about that. You've been playing this, any board games lately? So the, the format of this of this podcast is going to we're going to talk about some of the games that we've been playing. Cool. Some of them we did videos on. Some of them we haven't done videos on. Some of them we might do videos on. Then we're going to talk about uh, a theme for the week, which Ooh. I have written down. Ooh. Do we get to know the theme? No, I think it's more fun if you do. I saw the script. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. Well, the theme is Christmas, because oh. it's Christmas. Christmas! Oh, Before that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you are right. Yeah, I'm back to normal. Before games. that, let's talk about games. And I've been talking quite a bit to set the scene, so I'm going to pass this over to you, Jamie. 
Okay. To talk um, about the game that you want to talk about. Or rather the game that I chose that you would yes. talk about. <laughs> so the game I'm going to be talking about is Fallout, the board game. Now, um, we've done a few videos about this on the YouTube page. And the main focus of my video was that I have never actually played a Fallout video game. Which is which we didn't touch on enough, No, though, none of us quite, mentioned it at all. It's quite weird. Like, it's really weird. You it's play... weird for someone who plays games. Yes. It's not like he doesn't play games. He plays games. I like sci-fi. I like RPGs. I like my have PlayStation. You, have you played Morrowind? I haven't played any Skyrim? Bethesda big RPGs. I've played Dishonored. You played Witcher, though. Uh, Witcher, I love. Yeah. yeah, there you go. That's fair, because it's better than all of them. But I so, find it strange that you have that gap in your in your game, gamey, mm. gamey, gamey portfolio. I think I just had a bad experience with Fallout. <laughs> Maybe. Is there a story? <laughs> no. Are you not ready to talk about it yet? No. For, for the for the viewers, listeners at home, Jamie is wistfully staring into the distance. I I do. I remember a lot of kids playing it at school. But and you've know. just given your age away. Oh, Unless you're talking about oh. Fallout One and Two. No, I was talking about Fallout Three, which is reasonable. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, the board game. <laughs> Fallout the board game is interesting because it's actually adapting a lot of video game mechanics to tabletop. And I think I can speak for everyone here. We were actually pretty impressed with how it did it. Did you guys say? Yeah, I mean, I was a bit concerned with any video game board game that they're just going to plant the theme onto an existing game and really not bother about the mechanics. But the Fallout board game did really well at transferring all those video game game mechanics into a board game world. And I was really, really surprised by it. I thought it was clever that they didn't... um, Not so much clever, I guess. I thought it was call the amount of restraint they showed in the design and in the way that they, 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 they put stuff into the game. I think it's so easy when you're doing something like Fallout and there's so much that you could put in that actually the design becomes what, what do we leave out? And they, they didn't leave out so much that it felt too slim, but at the same time, it's not just mechanics on mechanics on mechanics. It's actually basically the core mechanic of Fallout, which is wandering about. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was very happy that the game really has a story focus. Um, I really like games like Tales of Raven Knights above and below and there were some of those sort of storybook elements although they were story cards weren't yeah. they what we learned from the game is Jamie has a very strange moral compass he's okay <laughs> yeah. he, he protected a dog that was getting kicked that's great but then he's okay feeding ghouls which are just irradiated humans to other humans it's kind of dark man no, so not. the dog is more important yeah the dog is more <laughs> important i'd agree with that and this was an accidental act of genocide forced cannibalism forced it's, not cannib- gen- it's not genocide <laughs> you didn't kill all the ghouls jay <laughs> well <laughs> maybe we went to the bathroom and that's what you were doing this is actually weirder because obviously rob was playing as a ghoul yes yeah, yeah. i was which made me uncomfortable yes but that was unintentional. I accidentally completed a side quest, not knowing I'd met the criteria. And, and the it... side quest made you pull a... Uh, you, you were trying to feed a village, and you were hunting for that village, and it made you pull a token, uh, so the enemies have tokens, for a animal. But it turns out the, enemy, the board game suggests that, as well as like rad roaches and, and giant scorpions and all the stuff that would normally be an animal, so are irradiated ghouls. <laughs> yeah. So you ended up, yeah, it, it wasn't... Pleasant. It wasn't my finest move. Also failed to stop the bomb in that town. Yes. That didn't go well. But when I finally got to a vault, I was almost elected, wasn't I? Almost elected. I got Jamie to... isn't elected. Well, the game ended Hillary too... Clinton was almost elected. I had my nomination. And if you ask me, it was rigged. <laughs> <laughs> I blame you guys. But Overall, you, you did love it. Though, yeah, you? I loved it. I think it's really cool that we can talk about these experiences that we had as if it is a video game or as if it's, mm. you know, 
a story you're telling your friends. You know, oh, I went here, I did this, I encountered these people. Did it make you want to play the video game now, though? Well, I actually have a copy of Fallout 4 now. Oh, yeah, you said yes. Yeah, so I got it for my now. birthday the other day. Oh, there wow, you go. There you go. Yeah. It's not the best one. But I, I think it's favorite. a good starting point. Like Fallout 4 more in Vegas. Arguably, it's, yeah, I don't want to go into a giant conversation about <laughs> yeah. Daniel. Check out our video game podcast. percent wrong, but uh, Fallout 4 is probably a good start because it actually gets more and more simplified as you go through. Yeah. Um, and it's probably, like, coming from, like, The Witcher and more, like, bigger, better written role-playing games, so it's mm-hmm. hard to go back to that now. I'm also just happy to have it on my PS4 <laughs> rather than PC. Anyway, not video games, board games. That's what we're talking <laughs> about. Um, I think it's, I think it did good, and I think it's one of the best video game adaptations for tabletop for sure so we, we've we've learned about jamie's gaming who who have you got next on your well i say script it's five lines <laughs> five lines four lines one for each of us with the name of the game that we're talking about oh, let's nice. go on to you dan please okay are you going to tell me what the game well i've got dan rock again but you can talk about anything else you wish God, to talk about. You, you, you want to talk about Rock Again. You were just Rockigan. talking about it out there. I freaking love Battle for Rock Again. It's good. And it will go back to the start of this podcast when we said, when we get really good games, it's so frustrating that once we reviewed it and we've, we've put it aside, we don't get to play it again. We've got too many games that we have to play. I mean, we get probably what, six releases at least a week mm. and we can't get through all those. Battle for Rock Again is a, sort of a, it's a territory control game that is just perfectly refined. To me, it's like a fine whiskey. Okay. <laughs> you know, you can get a lot of different whiskies, but when you get one that has the perfect balance of taste. Mm. Is it's, it a Japanese whiskey? It, it, no, well, is it, I don't know. It's Glenfiddich. Sake. Is that, that's that's not whiskey, though, is it? Oh, well, close. It's a drink. It's a drink. Yeah. It's an alcoholic drink. But how's the game? <laughs> it's like whiskey. We've, we've established that. <laughs> okay, to maybe be less metaphorical. Metaphorical? Metaphorical. Metaphorical. To be better at speaking. Uh, I would say what's really good about it is it takes a lot of the strategies that you get from much more complex, much longer games and transplants it into something that's much shorter and easier to pick up. And I mean, you can play a game in 45 minutes and that for a territory control game is really, really impressive. And also I like, I like, I didn't think I'd like the theme because the theme is Imperial Japan and it's not really one I care much about. And it's based um, on another game as well. It's and it's based, based on another game, yeah. Which makes you instantly feel like, oh, if I don't play that game, I don't want to play this one, but that yeah. isn't the case mm. with that. It's, it's interesting, actually. We've noticed quite a few board game adaptations of other board games in different genres. So mm. earlier this year, we played Raxon, mm. yeah, which is a Dead of Winter spin-off, isn't yeah. it? And we enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah, and I'd never played Dead of Winter going mm. into that. I don't feel like I needed to at all. No. Maybe it would help a little bit, but because board games aren't really these massive, narratively focused worlds, I don't think it really mattered that you don't get that experience from that game. I mean, by the time you've played, even if you do play Dead of Winter, by the time you maybe have played since, like it could be like six months yeah. since you played it, what, what are you really getting from that? It's nice to have those links, I guess, um, but especially a rocket gun, it didn't need it. Dan, can you explain the central... Uh, the, the, the main mechanic, which is the, the tokens. Yeah, so Battle for Rockigan is quite simply a blind placement game in which you'll decide each turn you get, I think, seven tokens, and you place these tokens around the map. And these tokens can represent certain things like armies, uh, they can represent ships, or the shinobi? Shinobis, yeah. Shinobis. Yeah. Uh, Peace. It can just be flowers. And it can be peace. <laughs> yeah. And you place these on the board, and everyone else has to try to deduce what you're placing on that board and what you're going to do whether you're going to attack or expand defend it's as i said before it's really really simple 
But uh, what kind of game do you think it's like? Because I wasn't here when you played okay, it. Okay, so it's it's very much like the Game of Thrones war game. Jamie's, I think, got an issue with that in a sense. Um, I wouldn't say I have an issue. I think in many ways, it's it's so much easier. It takes so much less of your time, which is obviously appreciated. Yeah. Game of Thrones board game can take three hours, which is crazy. Um, that is that's the, three hours of singing that. Which can yeah, be, it could be quite annoying. Um, so I do have issues though in that it it's very very similar. And for me personally, I think Game of Thrones is more interesting than Feudal really Japan. I'm really confused, though, from perspective, because having played the Game of Thrones board game, it's yeah. like three hours long, but you guys are all saying, oh, this takes 45 minutes to an hour. Because a lot of the complexities of the Game of Thrones board game have just been removed. Right. It's got, at its very core, you battle, and your battles are done just by odd numbers. as much as I like highest. Game of Thrones, I didn't like the fact that it was so long. Yeah, you probably, you, so you weren't in to play it, but you I would I think Game of Thrones is ten rounds and this is five. Yeah. And this also takes out a lot of the filler, so there's no, like, uh, in Game of Thrones, the wildlings can attack and you all have to work together. Yeah. There's none of that. It's literally just competing for territory. It's quite risk-like, isn't it, really? It's very risk-like. There's a few cool things that make it different, and one of them is that you, if you expand, you're normally more, in more trouble. Whereas in Risk, the more you expand, the better, so you can end up snowballing. Mm. I'd say it's probably closer thematically to Risk than it is to Game of Thrones because mm. of how simple it is. But I think that would be doing it a disservice. I mean, whether or not you like Game of Thrones more, it depends on whether or not you prefer games, I think, that are just more complicated. Um, because there is more in Game of Thrones, but it is a much longer experience. Um, and I think the core stuff you get for Rockigan, I really enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it quite as much as Daniel, uh, but I did think that the, the games that we played really enjoyable, really quick. Every every second I was thinking about what was happening in that, in that map, on that world, and what to do, rather than worrying about you guys taking your turns. Who because won? everyone takes their turns at once. I think Rob won both games. I won both games, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, so, I'm pretty good at area control games. Yeah, and obviously and Daniel fair, overextends himself in every area control to game. To be fair, it's one of these games that when I was losing, I knew I was losing because I was making bad moves. And you didn't feel Not because the game mechanics yeah. screwed yeah. me in a way. But it was also it. similar to perhaps Innis in that you're never out of the game. You know, you can no. get straight back in. I mean, the great thing is, no matter it's... how far you extend in, in Battle of Rogue again, you never say it, uh, no matter how far you extend and how much territory you control, everyone else has the same amount of units as you. So you don't get to a point where you're beaten into a hole and yeah, you can't get you, from it. You just have to sit there um, while everyone else plays. Yeah, kind of thing. You do not know the winner until the last round, and that is fantastic. It's, cool. it's worth saying that if you want to find out more about Battle for Rockigan, we've just released a video review on YouTube. So... Playopolis on YouTube, check us out. Yep. Yeah. Long old analysis. Yes. Mechanics. Analysis. And we talk a little bit about how to play it as well. And you also get to see some gameplay, so sort of how it felt at the time. Some seconds of, of you messing up and yes. you either laughing or getting angry, I think, which that's, is not exactly how games That's the yeah. gist of it, yes. So we've had Fallout, we've had Battle Work again. So you, you got something, Rob? Have you? I'm, I'm going to quickly talk about Charterstone, which is difficult because it's a legacy game and you can't really talk about them Spoilers. very much. We pre-ordered it ages ago, actually not knowing that it was a legacy game. Uh, legacy games can't go to the cafe for obvious reasons. So I've taken it home. I'm playing it with my fiance. Hang on, you're taking that. You've taken it home. You know I've taken it. How else would I be playing it with with Megan? That's a bloody expensive game for you to take home. Yeah, but I will actually get through them, and when I take them back, I do bring them back afterwards. Whereas you keep them but in your house forever. It's a legacy game. You can still have it back though. <laughs> Look at like. I'll tell, I'll tell you why that does matter though. Okay. First of all, if you're interested uh, in legacy games, but you're worried about only playing them once, you can actually play Charterstone twice for a small charge. So you can turn the board over. It's the exact same board on the other side, and you can buy a refreshment pack, which is all the cards that you're going to write on or mess around with. 
for about £15 or something, a fraction of the original it's cost. such a good idea. So you can actually play it twice. That is interesting. Why don't legacy games like that, though, have the board having a slight dry marker style to it? Because a lot of it's stickers as well. As well. Mm-hmm. It's not but just you get, like, you can, kids like get stickers that can be peeled off boards. And I feel like games, is, is changing the board and, and Well, it makes me feel too uncomfortable. No, I think... From playing Pandemic Legacy, and I think I'm the biggest um, sort of supporter of Legacy games in the office. I loved Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Part of the thing that made it so special was that we could never go back and we could never change it. And you could never have that same experience again. That decision has Mm. been made. It is really difficult to review Legacy games. Oh, for sure. But they're just so unique and special. What is the theme for... Charterstone is a village building simulator. So it's it's essentially a Euro game. Uh, where you spend a lot of time building your own things rather than worrying about what's on the board. So you're you're very initially get to place down a, a building that will transfer resources into a different type of resource. And there are a set number of buildings anyway, but you're going to get more and more different helpers, different abilities. Imagine uh, a game like Zolkin, for example, just to, just to throw out a Euro game like that, where it's about resource management and moving stuff around. Similar to that, but there's a hell of a lot more going on in terms of how you interact with the game's rules. So obviously you start quite slowly and you have a move, which is basically opening a crate. And when you open a crate, you go into a physical crate into the, in the box and you pull out the set amount of cards that it wants you to pull out. It tells you what pieces to pull out as well. Uh, so rather than like a game like Pandemic where you, you open box C, mm-hmm. instead you're, you're going from this big index of cards and then you might open box C, but you're meant to take out one thing. Um, so it, it works a lot like Pandemic in that in that box system. Um, but what it does do really well is really introducing you slowly to interesting mechanics in a way that only a legacy game can do. The first game we played was really, really simple. Like, too simple, of course. But you're, tru- you're struggling already to get the rules and the objectives and all of that in your head. But as you play, you open these crates, but you don't open them at a set time. And that was the big difference between this and Pandemic, is that in Pandemic, if you win a game you're probably going to open a certain bit to increase the rules. Mm. In Charterstone, you only increase the rules if you're going into those crates and getting new components out. And you can choose when to do that because it's a physical move in the game to open them. It's quite quite similar to video games in a way there, where obviously board games, as you say, they chuck all the mechanics at you at once normally. Video games generally would introduce you to mechanic by mechanic as you play the game. So interesting to see that sort of yeah i do worry about the pacing of the game what if you stumble across like a really complex mechanic yes does that happen rules too complicated or nothing's too complicated um but if you are the type of people that really want to get through those crates quickly it doesn't seem and i've only played two games of this so far it doesn't seem like there's an easy way to stop that happening um which is weird i guess maybe there's that eventually you run out of those rules and you can continue but i'm not sure but the yeah, the Charterstone, it, it's, it's been really fun so far. It's very, very, very high quality components. Um, it looks beautiful. Yeah, isn't there like metallic coins? And yeah, there's like the full on, just in the standard, the only edition you can get. The once again, the uh, deluxe. Once yeah. again, this is the game that Robert takes home yeah. for himself. <laughs> oh, I forgot we pre ordered that game that we kind of have in the cafe. Yeah, I'm the only person that is ever going to get through 12 copies of the same game. So. You guys are never going to do that. He's got 12 copies of it? I've been wondering where all the money's gone. Daniel's taken home multiple games. Uh, Merlin, which he was going to review and never did. I was going to review Merlin. Then I was like, I was very confident in my review. Then you guys played it and said something completely, you were so adamantly strongly against it. Our opinions are different. I know, but it jarred me off. And then I was like, at least you're getting 
great content out of me already for Charterstone. I will. I also steal games from work, so it's fine. Can I just say <laughs> I have a, a fun Charterstone story. Uh, my fiance Meg is quite particular about uh, like where things are placed, and the very first rule sticker we got, she was spending ages trying to place the rule sticker over the rule over the box for the sticker in the rule book. And she was trying for so long that I just took it off and tried to do it for her. In the in the process of putting it down, not only did I put it on about forty five degree angle from the from the actual box, I creased it, and it's like it's like three dimensional now, and it's the very first rule. She wants to play with you anymore. She doesn't. She was she was. I suppose she wants to live with you anymore. She was having a a small fit about that, but I was I was I was having great fun. Because I don't mind. It was still readable. Oh, but it no. didn't look You're like a terrible human being. Once again, that is the office copy of Charleston. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Rebecca. Um, t- going on a little bit from talking about Pandemic, Rob and I played Pandemic Rising Tide for the first time today. Yes. Um, um, I really wasn't sure what to expect with it. Um, I haven't... Admittedly, haven't played any other Pandemic um, expansions. Like, like the, standalone The Cure, yeah. the standalone ones... I've seen them and thought, mm, no, I'll just go back to the basic, basic one. So when we got this, I was a bit like, what am I going to expect? Is it going to be like Pandemic with a new skin? But what we found was it's actually quite a different game. Question is, though, it's, it's not about viruses anymore. It's not it? about viruses. It's about water. Is there a point where maybe they should uh, stop calling them Pandemic games and maybe just call it in the pandemic series at the bottom of something it's still the same sort of thing like you are working together you know you've got the same similar four actions but in this it's got um dams i imagine if you were completely new to board games and you picked up pandemic rising tide knowing nothing about pandemic it would be a bit jarring i mean it's a bit jarring for us anyway because it's it's the theme is we we were like oh it's got piranha on the box it looks like it might be a bit steampunky and you were actually just like a council worker in in the netherlands at at some nondescript time. Yeah, like the box definitely, like just not, not anything at all about it. It looks like it's got this sort of sepia tone over it. I've got the box here. I thought that it was some sort of Cthulhu thing yeah. where like things were rising from the deep. Yeah. Uh, it's actually just about being a civil engineer. Um, well, saying that, Rob, I felt because the the theme of the, the water running, you can sort of, we were saying like, you can imagine the water running down the map as if gravity was, yeah. you know, working effects. So thematically it is working. And the good thing about it is they haven't just changed one or two things and everything's changed from every component. But unlike in Panama, you're not trying to cure the disease. You're trying to get the four hydraulics. You're getting four hydraulic water pumpy things. They, well, you need to collect cards for it, um, which we didn't actually realise until we were halfway through a game that that's but, how you won. That is obviously similar to Pandemic's goal of curing the four diseases. Yeah. Yes. The, like, the main difference is that you have one disease, which, which is, is water. 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 The water. greatest <laughs> disease of all. Water floods down the, the world. Um, and Well, I thought you said it's just Netherlands. The Netherlands. The, the Netherlands world, is not the world. The very specific world. Uh, <laughs> and the interesting thing is, is that if you imagine a disease in Pandemic only grows if you get a card for it. Yeah. Whereas the water in... This game tide, yeah. flows every every round. If you have three water cubes, every other place that isn't got a dam on it gets two. And then every uh, other place that doesn't have a dam on those gets one. So it trickles around so instantly. That's, again, that's like the epidemic yeah, effect from I, Pandemic, it how happens, it spirals out of control. It happens more often. because the first, So we played two games this morning. First one we lost within about five minutes. Mm. The second one we did win, and somehow we won, because Rob didn't actually shuffle any green cards into the pack. No, imagine if one quarter of the map... Bear in mind that you cannot win until you have 
us all of the quarters wasn't in the game. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like, there's no green cards in this. And we looked and he just left them to the side. Of the <laughs> yeah. I thought they were objective cards. So we did but they really well, considering. I yeah. don't know. From my perspective, I just have zero interest in playing it. Really? And I don't know why. I think it's because pandemic for me symbolises the entry to, to board gaming. We've kind of had so many other games that we've played since. It's a bit it, to me. Pandemic's the Call of Duty of video games. Oh, go back to that game, so. where I'm sure they're they're good and they're probably very mass market. But I don't know. To me, it just feels like a tacked on theme. It, I no? really disagree. The thing I would be interested in is is this better than Pandemic? Mm, mm. No. Okay. <laughs> so if it's not better than Pandemic, what's the point different. of it? Same same as any game, really. It's different. It's. The it's theme, different enough to I be... I think the theme is probably less scary for a lot of people. That's a good point. It's a very board gamey theme. Oh, yeah. so, we were saying that. Yeah. It's so board game This is like the board game's board game. Yeah. Yeah. Do I have to get my netbeard out? Well, you do. <laughs> you do for the theme anyway, because I was saying to Becky, like, imagine the same mechanics where there's water and the water level is rising and you're in trouble. It's only board game people that could turn that into, oh, I know a really cool thing that we could do with a theme of water, water rising. 18th century Holland. You know, <laughs> I can't think of anything more exciting the than that. The other thing, was, obviously, all the names on Pandemic, the Rise Uprising, whatever it's called, are from... They're actually Dutch, so... Yeah, we actually have it. We had a so lot I'll, I'll just do a quick test. ...of trouble trying to say these names. Pass them around, pass them around. Few, I'm going to give one to each person and they'll... Okay. Okay, bloody hell. That's not um, the name, then. <laughs> uh, I've got a really easy one. I've got Zubelevend. Zubelevend. I think that's Zwed... Beverland. Oh, Jamie, yours is hard. Okay, I'll do mine. Nordelstall. Very good Swedish accent there. Was that what there. I was going for? Yeah, but sometimes there's a silent P. You can't just choose what's silent, Jamie. <laughs> I, I've, I've just got Delfland. Delfland, which we just kept calling Deafland. Deafland, which we died in many times. <laughs> and I've got Kenmerland, which isn't too hard. There are some really intrusive, like, there is ones that are just like nine syllables in a row, though. For clarification, my place was spelled N-O-O-R-D-O-O-S-T-P-O-L-D-E-R. Yep. So, so easy. put in the comments if you want the proper... How are they going to put in the comments? Oh, sorry, Pronunciation. Yeah. Pronunciation, yeah. Right. But um, it's okay, because even if you don't know anything about it, just like every pandemic game, they highlight where that country is on in the map. Colour. So yeah. we didn't have to we didn't have to look too hard, it was just trying to say them. Yeah. You didn't have to consult your massive knowledge. We didn't have to get the atlas out. Of the counties of the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. the counties of I will say that I am I am happy that Pandemic is branching out. And I said this in the unboxing video, I don't think I could go back to regular Pandemic after playing Legacy. Pandemic Legacy. Yeah. So I think they're almost doing what they have to do. I see where Dan's coming from, that like Pandemic is seen as a game that you get people into the hobby for, but then you move on from. Um, I I don't think that I would like break out Pandemic anymore because I've played so many other games now. Mm. Yeah. Um, if I was introducing people to a co-op experience, I probably would consider it. But then I'd also consider. You considered a regular Pandemic, though, wouldn't you? I, I'd definitely use a regular Pandemic for that. Over that so then, yeah. where's Rising Tide sitting? Where does it fit? It fits in if you like the core gameplay of of Pandemic, and like fancy a different theme as well. Fancy a different theme, yeah. Like the you you have these dams that you have to place on or remove uh, as things happen. But the core, water. yeah. Well, Some people like to have the same game. Hopefully, hopefully, I wasn't too damning on my oh. opinion. You had to interrupt me to make that terrible pun. Yeah, I got others. No, no maybe, no. maybe like never lose it or fall flat. You no, know. no, no, no. no. I, should we move hey, on? Hey, Rob, I hear we have a special theme. Christmas theme. Christmas Yay. theme for this episode. Theme. Jingle bells. Jingle. <laughs> okay, so now I'd like to talk about the theme of Christmas, which is a theme that comes up every year. 
Especially for board gamers. <laughs> around the same time every yeah, year. Yeah, around the same time. December. But especially for board gamers because I think that people always want to find a game to play at Christmas. That or doesn't make their family hate them. doesn't make their family hate them. <laughs> so first of all, I, I should say that me, Becky and Dan have the same Christmas because we're family. Um, so I'm interested to hear what Jamie Jamie's family at heart. Yeah, but also <laughs> at heart and not... He doesn't come to our family. If he did, I think we'd pretend he didn't we know who he was. <laughs> Just say, who's that boy? Same way we do in the office. Yeah, we? a lot of the same way we do in the office. So mm. we would we would not have the same experiences, whereas the rest of us kind of do. But I'd say my favourite, I'll start quickly, okay. is Articulate. Um, I really like Articulate, which is a game where you basically just have to say the word, get get your teammate to say a word on a piece of paper without saying that word. So if your piece of paper says leaves, you can say trees, things that are, things that trees have on them, mm. and you can't say the word, and that's it. That's the whole game. You can play with a board. I've actually never played Articulate with a board. I've just made up scoring around the cards itself, and I just find it's fun, it's easy, everyone gets it, but you can be good at it which I think is a difference between a lot of the games that everyone can understand, is, is it, that you can't really win. Is it the kind of game that, like, if you play with your partner, you're like, oh, you know, yes. you're getting it, and or you're not, and you're getting annoyed with them. You can do in-jokes and stuff that they might not, they might get, or you hope they're going to get, which is cool. And you can do that with family members as well. So it's just a fun, easy, yeah. and it's not one that can cause arguments, because... Mm. You, yeah, you know our family, speaking, right? <laughs> we have played a particular before, and it didn't cause any arguments. So that's, that's my favourite, like, get out, play quickly. Dan? I, so I, I really hoped you didn't come to me because I'm struggling. Uh, we, we, we're we board gamers and we obviously play board games all the time at the office. Um, but I, I don't think we do it that much at, at Christmas because it's trying to get a huge range of generations. I mean, we have our youngest, which is three, to our oldest, which is like 78 um, years, yeah, 78 years old. And it's trying to find something that suits all of them. I'm going to say a game that I actually think you're going to very, very much disagree with. Um, we haven't played it for a couple of years, but I think one of my favourite Christmas games is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Now, I love just, just... You've just given me flashbacks of Christmas mm-hmm. 20 or 2006. <laughs> what happened to you, James? It was just, we were playing the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire DVD board game. Oh, yeah, well, we, 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 we're not yeah. rich, unlike Jamie, so we didn't have the DVD <laughs> board game. We had the, the sort of oh, pen and paper You've version. actually given me one to talk about, but carry on. <laughs> we did have a board gamey version of that, didn't we? Yes, and I loved it. I bet it. it's still in the cupboard. It's a really mm. good mixture of trivia with that sort of risk and reward of do you want to push higher? Yes, because of course you can ask a friend, yeah. which yeah. means asking a random person in the... In the in the family, and then and you, you got do the audience thing. Did you actually phone a friend when that came up? No, I don't have any friends, Jamie. I, I run a board game cafe. Especially yeah. at Christmas. Yeah. Everyone's all his friends were there. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, I think we should get that out for nostalgia purposes. So good year. news, we've remembered that we have the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire board game. We, we hope <laughs> so. It's not really a board game. A bit like Articulate, it's, really it's, a, a, it's a set-up it's set yes. for doing something without a board that is vaguely... Has rules. I mean, we should contextualise. We get uh, around twenty people on Christmas Day, so yeah. a boxing day. So we've got to find a game that can suit. I think um, it's actually very important for Christmas. Ironically, having boardless games. Mm. Yeah. I just I think that puts off a lot of people. I think if it's something that you can sort of jump in for a few minutes, jump out if it's not really your thing, 
I think what will be really interesting is what we play this year. Yes. Last year we had the board game cafe still, but we, we weren't trying to push board games on the family. This year we've got a lot of games we've spent the last you know eight months immersing ourselves dramatically in yeah. all these games. We've got a lot of good party games I think will be fun to try out. I want to try out Catching Guns with the family, for example. Just the idea of on Boxing Day, all shooting guns at each other. Seems like a fun idea to me. And we've got plenty of Nerf guns here we can use instead of the foam guns. So it'll be really interesting and see what we play this year um, rather than what we have played. Although, who wants to be millionaires up there? But Jamie, that's, that's our weird Millionaire number. flashbacks. Millionaire flashbacks. So I'm at my grandma's house. Whole family is there. And we're each taking it in turns to go in the hot seat. And like, no one helps you with the answers. And you just sit there on the buffet. And f- buffet, is that what it's? Yeah, yeah, that's it is, a thing, yeah. yeah. That's the thing that old people say. I think it's some sort got... of soft chair. Soft... So, uh, it's a footstool. <laughs> randomly with buffet is only until my, my nan, bless her heart, calls it a puff. Yeah, I always thought it was actually And uh, you, you, it's not called that. <laughs> I, I always thought it was. Yeah, me too. Um, until yeah. someone corrected me and I was like, oh my, oh I just dear. called it a footstool. Yeah, that's what it is. But anyway, Jamie, you're on the footstool. <laughs> yeah, and I just remember us all taking turns and there was one question I didn't know the answer to and I turned to my dad and he was like, can't tell you, son. Wow. And I did not win a million pounds. <laughs> but Jamie, you understand the money wasn't real. See, when I was even younger, there was a PlayStation 1 Who Wants to Be a Millionaire game. I had that game. And I was certain that you could plug a printer in and they would print print out your money. I was certain of this. That's adorable. No, we're we're talking five or six at primary school. I remember just thinking like, why why has no one done this? It's obvious. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really know where to go. So what is your actual game for Christmas? So my family, it's absolute trash licensed games. Right. That's what we'll be playing. We'll be playing the latest, I don't know, Monopoly spin-off. Oh. Right. We'll be playing Star Wars Monopoly. We'll be playing a Scooby-Doo game, something like that. <laughs> Thunderbirds, that kind of thing. How old is the youngest person in your family for Christmas? Well, Is it okay. you, Jamie? No, I'm talking about... Because I haven't actually played board games with my family for a long time at Christmas. I'm talking maybe like... We should invite him over. <laughs> maybe when I was about 13 was the last time we did it. Right. Um, and we play stuff like Uno. Uno would be, Uno's a, good would game, be a big one. Um, yeah, it was just absolute trash. <laughs> and unfortunately, I just can't convince my family to play Cash and Guns or Subterra or something. That was really good. So you can't even convince your family to listen to you. Ladies and gentlemen, one of our employees here at um, <laughs> Playopolis. Can I have two? No. Go for but it. one's really little. No. Like no. physically small. Jamie, spent his, Jamie did like a whole biography section and we don't have time. I will, to, I will say still going. that I found a fantastic Christmas edition of Love Letter, which I have actually played with my family at Christmas. Mm-hmm. And Love Letter is a really great uh, introductory game. Okay. I'm going to go now, Jamie. Go for it. <laughs> right, as I can't have two, I'm going to have Rhino Hero as my number one game for Christmas. So Rhino Hero is a stacking game with cards that you stack and you like a big building and you have to move around Rhino around. It's playable for for literally any age. So I even think like our youngest who's only three can get in on it as well as the oldest. And it, do, it does make a mess because it all falls everywhere, but it doesn't make that horrible sound. I am interested to see how you're going to play Rhino Hero with, you know, ten people uh, in Well, like Jamie was saying, though, you do the kind of dipping in and out. It's not the kind of game that you mean to be like, now nah, we're playing a game. Oh, no. You can just say, and also I'm going to say it anyway, I really think Dick's it. Dix is a good game, but I wouldn't say I can Christmas. get mum to play it, and, and you know, I think that's a, a good start. 
I think you'd struggle to get the family to sit down and play Dixit, personally. Rhino Hero, I get. The cool thing about Rhino Hero is that it's basically Jenga without the 40 minutes of having to build Jenga And up. that horrible sound, you know? I'm not quite as disturbed by the sound of some small wooden blocks hitting each other as I you think, seem to be. No, I think it's because we have Jenga Quake at home, which is made of plastic. <laughs> right. So it goes like... I always found Jenga to be a really like bad choice of game for kids because they don't want to put it back together. It's two yeah. minutes of game followed by like twenty minutes of mess. I think it's a good representation of the so the, the the life. It's a metaphor for life. You build yourself up and you build yourself up, and then it'll just all come crashing down on you. Pokes you in the middle. Yeah, and you fall over. So I'm definitely a really having making sure Rhino here is at home for Christmas. Friends, on the topic of Christmas, as the the plugger on this podcast, who's going to be plugging what we make? Okay. That's um, what a plugger is. Okay. This isn't actually <laughs> something we made, but I want to highlight there's this fantastic article on playopolis.net, which was written by um, Chloe, and she was a freelancer who sort of suggested this article to us, and it's about anxiety at Christmas. And mm. so Chloe is a mental health professional, and she runs this charity called Mental Health Magic. And I just think it's a fantastic article, especially about a lot of the preconceptions people have about Christmas gaming, mm. some of the stress... I think that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, because a lot of people, it's hard hard for us to picture this in our line of work, don't play board games except at Christmas, where yeah. they're thrust yeah. upon them. Which actually leads me into my final question, which I'd like to talk about, which is what 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 do you think board games could do to get rid of this Jamie family concept of what they need to be at Christmas? So, like, obviously, Monopoly is the one that's brought out every time. And there are the occasional well, trivia pursuit comes out a lot. Yeah. Um, like what what does the board game world need to do to get over this? Like I've seen a couple of adverts for Monopoly on TV recently. Yeah. I've seen an advert for Articulate actually, uh, not a very good one, but it's running on it's running on like the cable channels, the smaller ones. I've never seen an advert for anything from like Fantasy Flight or Days of. I Wonder. think that's kind of the problem. I think. A lot of these games that we play aren't any more complex than Monopoly. Everyone knows rules of Monopoly. Monopoly is actually quite yeah, quite very confusing. Game. Me and Rebecca was talking about earlier yeah. that we don't actually know how to play <laughs> it and we were getting rules confused. Yeah, and so I think the problem is it's still a very fragmented industry. So a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that you sell have one main source that are being sold. With board games, there's different distributors per country. They don't pull their resources together. Some games are really limited prints when they come out, so they're hard to get hold of. You know, in, in a video game world, you can advertise a video game and say, it will be available. You can download it on Steam, whatever. You don't get that with board games. And I think that's why they're also very nervous to advertise, because you can advertise, you can put a, quite a large budget on advertising, yeah. and then you suddenly sell out your stock if it goes well. I think, unf unfortunately, you might see this, but... Um licenses is kind of key to this the yeah. reason monopoly is successful is because there's star wars monopoly there's marvel monopoly Stranger Things monopoly. and i think you'd be much better off getting the marvel edition of codenames than there marvel is, there is now isn't monopoly. There? there is and the disney one which i so want or even star wars timeline See, even something i like that. want the that's interesting even i who is a big board gamer going oh i want the disney codenames like i'm even still being sold licensing even though if you like codenames though that's i like codenames and i like disney hmm. So that's that's it's an obvious. It's not it's not a bad it's not a bad thing to buy those things. And if you really do actually enjoy Monopoly, I and don't some know. Some people do. I don't know how many people do, but some people do actually enjoy Monopoly. Then getting many different versions of it is probably fine. There's a and few a lot that, of people collect it as well. Yeah, strange strange thing to collect considering how many of them there are and, and how, how much space it takes up as well, and how quickly they drop in value as well. Yeah. Um, 
but like I, I, I do understand where the monopoly thing comes from, and I, I think you're right. The um, the stock thing is, must be an issue. What's a shame is that there's no. It, it would be cool if some some of the bigger publishers banded together mm. to run advertising over Christmas for good games. Something different. Even something, something like Ticket to Ride. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit different. Well, as I said, this year I've been asked by so many people that have got children the same age, so coming up to sort of like pre-teenage, ready to actually properly play board games, and I get asked all the time, what do you recommend? And Scythe. Yeah, not, maybe not Scythe. <laughs> but, you know, you can say things like Ticket to Ride and, and Dixit and things like that. And But they Beyond them asking me, really, they're not sure. Like, the problem is when you say ticket to ride to a, to to a ten year old and say, sure, some ten year olds actually probably love this, but hey, it's a game where you connect cities by train lines and have to manage to make sure you're you're taking the right bets towards where the train lines go. Um, I don't think I'd describe it like that. I was going to say, that would be a <laughs> poor so Have you played Ticket to Ride? This is, this is perhaps why I don't sell games. Yeah, I was going to say, I. Essentially, it's a game about colour matching trains, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, amongst my uni friends, when I was at uni a few years ago, um, I introduced them to board gaming through the Batman edition of Love Letter. Mm. And <laughs> they all absolutely love it. And not only that, they call it Batman game. Batman it's game. not Batman Love Letter. <laughs> it's Batman and game. if you refer to certain mechanics, like, oh, he jokered me. Or yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, classic Robin. Right, fair. That's, so that has worked. It has worked in a, in a sense of that's, that would be the game that they now consider to be all games. Well, I don't think I could have pitched them Love Letter where you're like, trying oh, to charm a princess, you know? <laughs> but the Batman spin-off, it, it did a treat. And some like, some licensed games are. Oh, and a quick, quick quiz, quickly. Quick quiz, quickly. Robert, I'm going to give you a game and I want you to think of what license it should be put with. Okay, okay. that's okay. Not there, but okay. Uh, I'm going to start with Mysterium. Mysterium, okay, so it needs to be something where there are dead people. Um, well, that's what you're a ghost, right? I would have said Scooby Doo, yeah. but clearly I'm obsessed with Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo is, I guess so. I, it's pretty, Scooby-Doo. I mean, Scooby Doo, like, no one ever actually dies, Jamie. It's like, it's always <laughs> someone in a mask. Yeah. They, don't, they don't investigate murders. I would have said something like CSI. Yes, yeah, CSI was good. I like okay. it. Becca, you, <laughs> did you think it's just one? No. Becca, you have got uh, Cosmic Encounter. I don't know anything about Cosmic Game of Thrones Ga- yes I know that the- yeah Game of Thrones <laughs> that's so, a very good one to choose just going to say my Game of Thrones uh, Cosmic Encounter story I got called out on Twitter for saying that Cosmic Encounter was like Game of Thrones turns out the creator has quite rightly pointed out that Cosmic Encounter came out before Game of Thrones was written oh, yes. and there's now a Game of Thrones edition of Cosmic Encounter yes Jamie's story over Jamie's story Jamie's story <laughs> maybe over but Jamie Sheriff of Nottingham Sheriff of Nottingham um that's tricky. Come on. Anything uh, where you have like, I know, I've got a good one. I, I would have thought like a crime thing, like the Godfather. What? Wait, no. <laughs> there is a Godfather ball game. Something involving money, that's what I was I would have said uh, Border Patrol. Border oh, Patrol. Yes, Border Patrol. So I mean, good. can I say Brexit, Sheriff of Nottingham Edition? <laughs> can you say that? Well, I'm trying to smuggle in. Someone like, needs to give Dan one. <laughs> the Human Rights Act in the pouch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, someone does need to give Daniel okay. one. I'm uh, just looking at the games in here. Yeah, we need to use... Uh, what about Betrayal at House on the Hill? Betrayal at House on the Hill, I would give... I think that would actually work fantastically for a Stranger Things Stranger 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 yeah, no, game. I think it's got a lot of the mechanics it could have. I think even the, uh, the exploration. We should stop giving like people it. ideas now. Yeah. They're going to start stealing <laughs> Throwing them. money away. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, I think we should probably wrap the up. Yes, thank you very much for listening. Hope it was interesting. If you have any comments, please let us know. Why do you always go quiet now? Either on iTunes, because I'm, I'm now I'm thinking... I'm oh, you're doing succulent you. voice again. I'm talking to the it's microphone. It's not succulent, it's not, it's not succulent, it's just, like, <laughs> clear. 
reasonably clear. Hey, welcome to our uh, podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. We've got. Uh, he's doing no. his Baelish voice. Yeah. yeah, he's gone slightly Irish. So. Sansa. <laughs> no, that's not, no, wait. Sansa. Sansa. It's funny how we started, started this podcast before we started recording talking about TV, and we're trying to start talking about TV again, which we're not going to do. We're a board game podcast. Watch the leftovers. <laughs> it's depressing. We're a board game podcast, <laughs> and we had fun. I hope you had fun. Shot after dark's good as well. We'll be doing these. We were doing these roughly every couple of weeks. I think we'll see how we go. This is the um, last one before Christmas. This is the last. Well, we might do another one before Christmas. Can we're I? Can see. we still say Merry Christmas? Just we can still say Merry Christmas now. Uh, yeah. Merry Christmas. Just me then. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you have a great time. I'm dreaming. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Bye. 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 <laughs>